Hey everybody, welcome to today and maybe over the course of the past few podcasts you've got a question about what's this eschatology, what's this end time stuff. We're going to cover that in more detail today, so stay tuned. This is the Created to Be podcast with Bill Anders. You really understand the gospel. It is, it is the freest thing there is. Where we help you discover the threefold strong, being strong physically, mentally, and spiritually. There's really no strings attached. And now your host, Bill Anderson. All right. Welcome, everybody. And uh, we got with us our friend Josh, the resident question man, who likes to bring your questions to me. So if you do have questions, send them to Josh. Just go outside and say, hey, Josh, I got a question. Here it comes. Okay. Can I get an email address for that? Something like maybe like um, Josh at createdtobe.com. I wonder if it exists. I guess it does now because you just assigned it to yourself to make it. I guess so. I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't copy it, but I kind of like where that went. So I just get to ask you general questions, or what do you want me thrown at you here? So, I mean, so here's the thing, right? Okay. So yeah. you're the question guy. So I yeah. just asked you a question. How do I send you a question? How do you send me a question? Oh, you can just email me at well, marketing at arc, e h h e c dot com. Oh, I always get that one messed up, Bill. You deserve oh, a better hype, man. Where are we at? What? What are we doing? I'm trying to figure that out. You got me all the struggle to, to fluddled. That's what it was. I think it's marketingarchehc.com. Electrocuting cooling. See, I got it. <laughs> you got so you can't it. pay you for that it. kind of marketing. But that's how you'd send it to me. That way it could come out there. But I don't have all the, the other symbolism. One right. Arc. Arc. E-H-C. At. What is it all like Even for? the at symbol like is simple. So, hey, did you ever kind of study symbols? I took some classes on it. So, no, but we were we were just talking about that before we hit the old go yeah, button yeah. on the symbolism within religion. And so, so I, no, I, outside of that, no. Okay, cool. Because I read a couple books. There's like this one book called "A Mind in the Cave," and it was about uh, the kind of like what the ancient symbolism stuff means and how people were actually using a form of um, psychotropic in order to induce a uh, like a holy experience, right? like a magical experience or something that would connect them to larger places. And inside these, they would actually start seeing the same things because of brain chemistry. And there would be like hashtags and like dots that they put on walls, right? Which is some of the oldest known um, sort of uh, symbols that people have put on walls, whether they be like geoglyphs or just something scratched into the side of a wall, right? But the thing is the whole reason that they started to look the same worldwide is because everybody was experiencing the same type of hallucination inside the brain. Yeah, you lost me. Really? All right, Are you in your basement? Up. I'm in my my office, hiding. Cause it, does it is your furnace running? What's that noise? It sounds like a running furnace. My computer. Oh, gotcha. That's awful lot gotcha. of heat. All right. Well, let's get back on track here. Thanks yeah. for for that wonderful distraction there, Josh. So, um, I think I started it. That's okay. That's all right. So, you know, whenever we bring up this topic of eschatology, which really means the study of end times, everybody gets super excited. It's one of the biggest, most attended um, teachings that, that I'll have. If I say, hey, we're going to teach through the, the book of Revelation, everybody shows up, right? Because everybody wants yeah. to know. And it's important. Now, I'll say, yes, eschatology is important because it's one of my personal favorite topics. Um, but we have to have balance because if, if we're studying what's to come, 
the future, right? Eschatology, of future events. We also need to be up to speed and we also need to understand where we are right now and where we have come from. Uh, a lot of people don't really want to study history or aren't interested in history. They're like, oh, that's old news. That's irrelevant. However, history is very important because there's nothing new under the sun, as, we, as we've talked about over the past few uh, podcasts. And if you don't remember history, you're bound to repeat it. So, for example, if I go down a road, let's say I'm standing at, at, at a fork. And I say, hey, I'm going to take the road to the left. And I go down that road to the left and there's all kinds of obstacles and there's all kinds of things that are hindering my way. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, there's a big lion there. And I have to overcome this lion to continue down my path. Uh, if I don't remember that, then when I'm back at that fork on the road and I say, hey, let's go to the left. And you're like, no, wait a minute. Let's not do that because there's, you know, there's lions there, there's obstacles, there's hindrance, it's a much harder way. And if we forget history, that's what happens. We're going to be more likely to go back down that same path because we have forgotten. And, you know, that's what the culture, that's what government, that's what a lot of religion, a lot of people want to us for us to forget history and even rewrite it to fit a different narrative. And we can't allow that to happen because we have to remember, right? I mean, every nation, every family, every person has things in their past that they, you know, don't want to remember, or maybe they're not the highlights of their, of their existence. And uh, people want to forget those things, but you can't, you got to remember them. It's not that we, you know, we don't embellish on them and we don't glory in them, but we, we have to remind ourselves, hey, if I continue to do that, that's where that's going to take me. So I have to remember history. So history is very important, uh, meaning in context here of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament. The Old Testament is something that people don't want to, they want to study. They don't understand it, right? They're like, oh, it's just a bunch of rules and laws and uh, all these things, but they all have purpose and they all lead to something that's very much, you know, that's uh, very important. So then you move on to where you are right now. Okay. Um, you know, it wasn't, when we first started Arc Electric, we, we'd get an address. We'd actually have a, a book. It was a book of, you know, Denver Metro and you'd flip to whatever page and you would identify where you needed to go. Okay. I need to go to this house and it would give you the blocks and all that stuff. And, uh, Oh, you told me to silence that phone, but I didn't do it. I don't listen okay. very well. See, let's rewrite history. Let's forget it. Historically, I don't have my phone on. All right. Um, so I then I would have to plot my way there, okay, to get there. Now, maybe if I forget history and I say, hey, I'm going to go down this street. Oh, wait a second. The last time I went down that street, there was a lot of traffic, uh, whatever. There was a school zone and it just got backed up because people are picking up their kids, whatever it may be. And if I forget that, and that's a perfect example for getting history, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to go a different way to avoid that. Um, when I was in the army, they would drive, uh, fly us up into the, the mountains there. And they would, you know, we'd jump out of the helicopter or whatever. And we'd have a map. And the map, they'd give us coordinates. They'd say, hey, camp is at this, this coordinates. And so when we got dumped out in the, the, the mountains there, 
first thing we had to do is we had to identify where where we're at right so we we look at our surroundings Mm -hmm. and we say oh there's a saddle here there's a really high peak here there's a valley here there's a ridge there's a draw whatever you use your your terrain features then you look at the map and you go okay well here on this map there's a high peak there's a valley there's a ridge there's a draw saddle whatever it is you identify and then you're like okay i'm right here this is where i'm at on the map then you look at where you need to go and then you plot your course right and maybe that's uh, uh not the direct line you know between two points because maybe there's a fourteen thousand foot mountain between you and your destination uh, do you want to go up and over that do you want to go around that um, a lot of different variables and so we have to understand our history we have to take a look at where we're at today and then course to where we're going so all of that said the study in times is great but we cannot forget the historical study and then the observation of where we are right now a couple podcasts ago it was it was what do you see very vital podcast right and if you look at all these podcasts they're all little concepts that all fit together to the big concept uh, and they all have their important piece in the puzzle here and so we got to start looking looking at where we're at uh, around us so that we can identify because a lot of people they'll ask that question hey is america in the bible what role does america have with uh, end times right why do they want to know that because they want to know what's ahead of them well if you know what's in the bible historically if you know where you are right now and you know what it says about you know the future times you can easily go oh okay i see where it is or where it's not and what do i need to do in the meantime i gotta plot my course very 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 important and just to answer your question because you may have it not you particularly josh but even though I just said that, you know, is America in the Bible? The Bible is a study, a book, if you will, about kingdoms, all right? Mm-hmm. With the redemption of kingdoms. And so there's eight kingdoms mentioned in the Bible. God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of David, the kingdom of Greece, Rome, um, etc 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 there's eight kingdoms listed in the bible understanding the different kingdoms will help you understand what god is talking about whether he's talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god if you don't have those distinguished and there's a difference there you can easily get confused and misapply if god's talking about the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of God and then things they don't add up okay so a lot of people say hey there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible and there are no contradictions in the Bible however there's different audiences he's talking to different people he's talking to different times and if you can sort those things all out then all the difficult things within the Bible go away they, they really do but in order to get there what do you got to do you got to know your history you got to know where you are right now and then you got to know what's going on uh, in the future so it's a battle of kingdoms so god established the earth 
he put Adam here to rule and reign over his creation. Okay, in order for a kingdom to be a kingdom, it has to have a king, it has to have a region or an area, and then it also has to have followers or people that are subjects within that kingdom. And so God put Adam here, um, and then this was his kingdom, right? This was the area, the earth was his, his region, if you will, his area, and his subjects at that time well, well, the first thing were were the animals, right? And then mm. as they Adam and Eve made more, you know, kids, then the, the children became there. But what happened? Genesis chapter three, in Genesis chapter three, where Adam sinned, he essentially turned over the title deed of the earth to the serpent. Oh. He lost his kingship. Okay. And uh, this is all backed by scripture. In fact, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, the tempter asked him, he says, hey, see, look around. You see all these kingdoms throughout the entire earth. Bow down and worship me and I will give them to you. Well, Jesus didn't say, what are you talking about? They're not yours to give. He didn't argue that, did he? Nope. Because they were his Okay, he has now obtained the title deed to the earth, and now the battle of the kingdoms has then uh, begun. Okay, when oh, oh, may I ask God a question? Called, yeah. Which, 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 so which kingdoms start the battle off? Kingdom of God well, or heaven? It, like you were saying. So the king. So let's define that. Okay, the kingdom of God is uh -huh. is all encompassing. It's everything right everything god is the creator he created everything uh his kingdom is all encompassing okay the kingdom of heaven uh -huh. has a physical space and that is the heavens which is the celestial heavens the heavens where the stars are the heavens where the birds fly and the earth that is the kingdom of heaven okay and in the garden is where god met with man right that's the first tabernacle if you will yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. first temple if you will because that's where god met with man so whenever you have god meeting with man um right there is is a meeting place if you will mm -hmm. uh, later on that would become the tabernacle and then it would become the temple and then in the church age right it becomes us and then after the church age it shifts back to uh, the physical place here um, where ultimately Jesus will come and take his place in Jerusalem back on the throne of David. Okay. And at that time, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but at that time when Jesus rules and reigns on the earth, on the throne of David, physically in Jerusalem, that is the time when heaven and earth, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, if you will, coexist. Okay. Oh my, wow. Okay. And so remember what, what was the disciples biggest concern? What did they keep asking Jesus? Oh, man, Is it now time for you to establish your kingdom? Oh. It, will you establish your kingdom now? Why? Because it was promised. It was promised mm -hmm. all the way back to Genesis chapter 49. This is where Bible memory comes into play, right? Yeah, back right. To, uh, Genesis chapter 49 is where Jacob, before he dies, Israel, his name was changed at that point, blesses each of his children. 
and he tells Judah, the tribe of Judah, the scepter will not depart from you. Okay, and so that was the wow. prophecy that they were all looking to fulfill. Um, and this is why it's important to know your, to understand, again, going back the to history. understanding the history yeah. so that it all makes sense. Because living in that time, living in that period, in that culture, things were very different than they are today. The things that would have been spoken at that time would have been received and understood very differently than they are, ten, are today. Just like if we were to go back then and try to explain to them a car or a helicopter or something like that, they would be like, we don't understand it. Well, the reverse of that is, is we're looking into their time and they're explaining things and they're like, hey, this is what it is. You know, it's a very spiritual world out there. You got all these things happening and we're kind of like, I don't understand it's because it's, we're, we're so far removed out of that realm. Um, so it became the kingdom of Satan at that time. Okay. Um, then God called out Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and through that line, he is reestablishing, he's going to redeem, he is going to redeem his kingdom. All right. He sectioned off that little portion, uh, what was called Eden. Eden was a very large portion going from Israel all the way down into the northern part of Africa, up and over, all the way over into northern Iraq. And if you look in that easternmost corner where those two rivers are, um, that would it would be what the, the Garden of Eden is. The Garden of Eden is just one little section of the area of Eden. So it would be like saying, hey, Denver is just a section of Colorado, right? Yeah, it's a piece of something larger. It's a piece of something larger. And it's symbolically, even when you go back into ancient times, the references with with gardens and hills and things, that was all uh, equated to deity, right? The lush gardens, even if you go back yeah. and look at the symbolism within Babylon, uh, it was all always these pictures of this lush, gardenous, mountainous, so it was uh, prosperous paradise. area. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's where God met with man. So Adam, when he sinned, he got kicked out of the garden. And the reason he got kicked out of the garden is because the tree of life was there. And if he would have partaken from the tree of life in that fallen state, he would have stayed there. Right. And so that's why it's sectioned off. And and spiritually speaking, there's there's two cherubim there that are not allowing anybody to re-enter that garden to repartake of the tree yeah. of life, which the tree of life is reintroduced in Revelation when it's all cleaned up. So is it comes. just sitting there? I mean, is it already uh, there? Is it show up? I mean, that's some interesting stuff because Well, that's that's where you get into the whole spiritual stuff. See, we gotta yeah. remember something too. Uh, with the there, there's a whole dimension, several, many more dimensions outside of, of what you and I know yeah. of, of our own, right? Um, there's Think of two-dimensional, right? Two-dimensional is a piece of paper with just a drawing on it. Well, then they got the ability to make that drawing three-dimensional. Yeah. But even if you were a character within that two-dimensional drawing, you would not be able to see past that piece of paper, right? You wouldn't be able to see past yeah. what you were viewing within your own dimension. Taking that into three-dimensional, now I can see a little bit more. However, I still can't see outside of that dimension. Yeah. 
I'm still contained, like a TV set, right? I can look into a TV set. TV set can't look back out at me, right? Yeah, it's like some of the physicists have been talking about like fourth dimensional being, being able to look at the universe all at once, all encompassing, because it's they're beyond that third dimension. So yeah, they kind of, in a way, kind of prove that God could exist <laughs> in science, right? Yeah. Which is the weird right, part but, about but, it. And that's, that's one of the problems that people have with, with faith, right? And believing is that they can't see past the piece of paper. They can't see past their yeah. own dimension. And so they're like, hey, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, if I can't smell it, if I can't taste it, if I can't, I can't believe in it. And that's a fallacy in itself, too, because have you ever touched gravity have you ever seen gravity have well, you ever... i feel gravity a lot Thank you can you, you can oh. feel, sure you can feel the effects of it and we can also feel the effects of the spiritual as well i mean there's been times where it's like you walk into a, a place and it just feels heavy it's just like yeah, yeah. You know, or you walk into the presence of you know somebody else and they're enlightening right you're right. like oh man this this feels great you know i i really you know got this energy you know whether whatever culture you're from whether it's called chi or whatever it is yeah. it's, it's it's their way of trying to explain this um so yeah. there is that dimension um above us and that's where a lot of people get tripped up because they can't see it they can't i mean even with the bible right i mean they're like hey i can't believe it because you know i just i wasn't there and it's like well were you there during the civil war yeah no in fact there's no survivors today that were you know lived through the civil war not that I know of. They are. Right. They're no, they're really all old. dead, I think. Oh. Yeah. So, but does that mean it didn't exist? Oh, no, wait. We've got artifacts. We've got pictures. Well, First hand accounts. Guess what? The Bible does too, <laughs> right? Yeah. You go over to the Middle East, you go over to that area, and there's so much archaeology that backs it up. And not only Christian, if you will, archaeology, but Gentile right all yeah. there's so many you can put together you can reconstruct the bible um through gentile sources it's it's there you've got people like Josephus, Josephus, yeah. that's Josephus. a hard word for me to say Josephus, who was a jewish historian who did not believe in god in christ right did not believe in jesus but was there and recorded the events through it and he agrees with what happened in the bible he didn't agree with it but he recorded it. So if, if if you're a you know if you're a true journalist, right? Yeah. Uh, you're you're going to record what you saw, whether you like it or not. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of archaeology still going on in Israel where they're they're finding places that stuff happened that have yep. significant uh, historical firsthand r reference. Right. They're, they're finding those places in situ still. I, I guess the best way to put it. But they're there. You know, mm -hmm. it's there. For years, they didn't believe that Punctious Pilate existed because there was no real record yeah. of him or anything. And then through archaeology, they found a stone with the inscription Punctious Pilate on it. And they're like, yeah. oh, I guess he did exist. You know, so right. um, it's just that's... it's just really tough. But that's yeah. where that's where people have the biggest hang up, I believe. Right. So but there is that whole dimension. There's a whole spiritual. And there's, there's references to that in the Bible all over the place where Elijah's yeah. praise. And he says, open the eyes. So he can see, and his eyes are open, and he sees all these angels around. Um, Ephesians 6 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the principalities, princes of the air, right? It, it's all, all there. So getting back to our kingdom thing, yeah. um, we restored or reestablished that 
God says, hey, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to redeem yeah. it. I'm going to redeem it. He held on to that area of Eden. God says, hey, this is my, uh, this is my turf, right? This is yeah. my, my area, okay, my turf. And that's why the battle right now for little old Israel is so intense because it's these other kingdoms mm. trying to take that land and it's God's land. That's the whole Old Testament. Yeah, I was going right? to say that's the whole absolutely because God kind of just chooses that one spot in the middle of the, the whole area, surrounded totally by enemies, and said, "This is the Holy Land, right, or the Promised yeah. Land." Well, at the, the time, land. it wasn't right. At the time, it wasn't. Yeah, but it uh, it it started with His land, and it's going to finish as His land, and and this all in between time is just Him maintaining that is really all it is. But that's what the battle is 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 really all about, you know. And so, um, you know, he raises up Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then after, uh, you know, Moses, after they leave the uh, Egypt there, he brings Joshua. Joshua is responsible for bringing them into the land of Canaan. And that's where all the wars are happening. You start to see the, the Battle of the Giants, um, the Nephilim, you know, where he goes in there and he's battling. And as you get your historical David and Goliath, right? All of that is from Genesis chapter 6. All of that is from this kingdom war now what's interesting about that is when we go into the millennial kingdom and that's when jesus comes back and like i said the kingdom of heaven is when jesus rules in that area which is what the whole most of the book of matthew is referring to because that's what the promise is to the jews that's the promise to Abraham. That's the promise. He says, I, we will do this. David, the promise is, is that your, your line, a king will rule on that throne. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the promise. That's the kingdom of heaven. Now, since Jesus is God, and God is now sitting on the throne, the two coexist. Make sense? So they become one and the same. That's the millennial kingdom okay and that's a thousand year reign and then after that oh, boom, that's yep after that uh there's one big final final battle at the end where god puts it into everything and then we reestablish the the forever kingdom which is going to happen for for forever um that's basically eschatology in a nutshell so if it doesn't have anything to do if there's no relevance to those kingdoms, it's not important. I mean, it's not important enough to take up um, pages within the Bible. So going back to, hey, is America in there? Uh, is America part of the heaven, uh, kingdom of heaven? The answer is no, no, right? It's about Israel. It's about that land in Eden, okay? That's the land. Where is the church involved? The church has nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven because what? the church is the believer with God existing in the believer. Therefore, the church is a part of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven. So if the church is looking for Hey, I want to, what's my role in the kingdom of heaven? Can't wait for the kingdom of heaven to come here. It's like, no, you, you see, it's the wrong, you're, you're, you're looking at the wrong kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is for the Jews and that's the millennial rule. The church will be ruling and reigning with Christ, 
throughout that millennial kingdom, but we're not part of it. We are ruling and reigning with Christ over it. So we are part of the kingdom of God. Okay. This is all very... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say now, yeah, so that means Israel plays a very special role in the millennial kingdom. I mean, they are... So what does that mean for them? Well, they're living through the millennial kingdom, right? Okay. And that's where a lot of the eschatology comes into play. And so that's... I'm kind of trying to set the stage here to help answer the question yeah. of, is eschatology important? The answer is yes, but important for who? It's more important for someone who's going to maybe live through the kingdom of heaven than it is for someone who's going to rule and ruin over the kingdom of heaven. So mm -hmm. after chapter four in Revelation, um, chapter five begins with this scene in the throne room where John is looking and somebody presents a scroll. Okay. And the scroll is sealed. Yeah. And the question is asked, who is worthy to open the scroll? And the response is, there is no one in heaven or in earth or below the earth worthy of opening the scroll. Okay. Nobody can open it. That scroll is the title deed to the earth, which Adam lost. Okay. Oh. So it was sealed. It was sealed. It was handed over. Now, if I'm a descendant of Adam, uh -huh. I come through a fallen nature, right? If Adam fell, everything through Adam is in that same fallen state. Yeah. So the answer to who can redeem the scroll, nobody from Adam can. Nobody. Yeah. And no one so all of can. mankind, yeah, all of mankind... Nobody can do that because all of mankind is from Adam. Are you tired of dealing with unreliable heating and electrical services? Well, look no further. Arc Electric Heating and Cooling is here to provide you with the best service in Colorado. Our highly trained technicians use state-of-the-art technology to ensure that your heating, cooling, and electrical systems are running smoothly. And with our commitment to affordability, you can trust that you'll get the best value for your money. We service the Denver Metro, Castle Rock, Castle Pines, Littleton, Centennial, Highlands Ranch, and Parker areas. So why wait? Call Arc Electric Heating and Cooling today and experience the peace of mind that comes with knowing that your heating, electric, and cooling systems are in good hands. Call us today at 303-656-3689. That's 303-656-3689. Arc Electric Heating and Cooling, where comfort and safety comes first. Are you tired of using the same old workout equipment? Well, it's time to switch it up and try something new. Introducing B3 BFR Bands, the revolutionary way to maximize your workout potential. With B3 BFR Bands, you will experience increased muscle activation with quicker time to fatigue and a natural release of human growth hormone. These bands are easy to use and can be incorporated into any workout routine. So what are you waiting for? Take your workouts to the next level with B3 BFR Bands. Order now by clicking on the link below. B3 BFR Bands, the future of fitness. No matter how good you are, no matter whatever, right? right. This is where getting into history now, the book of Ruth is so important. 
And it also comes off of um, a Levitical law, Leviticus 25, 25, where it says that if your brother loses something, you lose something. Another brother or a kinsman can redeem that. So if, if you and I were brothers uh-huh. and you were married and you had a plot of land, okay, and you died, I could come in and I could take your wife as my wife. I can pay whatever debt you owed, okay, mm-hmm. and I can redeem that land and that land and that wife and the family and everything now becomes mine. Wow. Okay, and we see that in the book of Ruth with with Boaz and with Ruth. They're fulfilling that law of Leviticus 25. So if Adam lost the title deed, according to Leviticus 25, a kinsman redeemer is the only one who can purchase it back at the same price in which it was sold. Okay. You following with me? Yeah, so so a kinsman of Adam can come in and, and pay the price exactly. for that. Exactly. So who's the kinsman it, of Adam then? Oh, that's a great question. Because that, they can't that's be a descendant, of, right? Why not? So who created Adam? It can't be from Adam. Uh, Adam's created by God. Yeah, he's a son of God. Okay. So now, here's where it gets really wild with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Jesus is what's called the hypostatic union, one hundred percent human and 100% God. Okay, who was Jesus's dad? Well, Holy Spirit, right? Okay. Yeah. In, in the manifestation of the body, the physical body of Jesus. Uh-huh. So if God's the father of Adam, God is also the father of Jesus in just with a very vague very vague. Listen, understand. Let me set this. It'd be up. the same lineage. It's a kinsman. Yeah, it's a kinsman, right? Um, I believe Jesus Christ is God. Okay, so I'm not yeah. saying that he's a son of God. I'm not saying he's a brother of Lucifer, like some people teach. I'm not saying he's a he's a brother of Adam. I'm saying he's a kinsman yeah. in the fact that he came. His body came through. The physical body came through Mary, but there was no male that produced it. So therefore, he did not come through Adam. Make sense? Yeah, because he circumvented the original problem. Correct. Correct. If he was born of Adam, he would have been born in the fallen state. He could not be a kinsman redeemer. He can't buy something um, that he's not able to purchase. Yeah. Right. It's very interesting, and well, that would have major implications for the end times. Then, for the what? For uh, the rest of the end times, because there would be a, a group of individuals now who would be kin that will will take the land moving forward. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> um, there you go back to Genesis chapter six, and it says that the sons of God desired the women. Yeah. And yeah. had relations with them and created offspring. Yep. Now some people say, "Well, that's not possible." It's like, "Well, you just said you believe that Jesus did it. That it happened through Jesus. Well, Jesus is God." Yeah, I get that. But even in the Old Testament, when you had appearances of Jesus, 
right, in the spirit form, or or angels, or what we know as Elohim. Elohim yeah. is just a spiritual being. Um, they ate, right? They fought, they talked, they they did things that humans did. So it's it's the Bible doesn't argue the fact that these angels had sex with these women and produced sure. offspring, and they're called the Nephilim. Okay, and that's in Genesis chapter 6. Interesting that it says this. It says, there were Nephilim in the land then and afterwards. Afters. Now, people go, well, who survived the flood? Nobody had to survive the flood because the sons of God could have had sex with girls after the flood to create more Nephilim. Nephilim. Mm -hmm. Yep, and there's some really interesting studies um, from like the book of Enoch and stuff that says that, yeah, what about the verse that says they chained them and put them into the pit? Um, there's a, there's some thoughts out there that they only chained, uh, you know, nine tenths of them. So, uh, you know, 90% of them were chained, 10% were still left so they can accomplish their mission of testing men. Sure. Um, there's a thought on that. Uh, but we also don't know the timing of when those guys were captured. It could have been... Uh, at the flood, before the flood, during the flood, after the flood. There's no mention of when exactly that happened. But it does say that there will be Nephilim uh, then and there's Nephilim afterwards. And uh, even when you go in and you read the Sons of Anak, right, which David and Gol David, Goliath, that story, mm -hmm. Goliath was a was a, uh, a giant. It was a Nephilim. Yeah, okay. mm -hmm. Strong yeah. and scary. Now, when those guys die... Right when those those nephilim die because they were born of a of an evil spirit, that spirit can't go anywhere. That spirit can't go to heaven, can't go anywhere. Right, so, and so that's where hanging out on earth. Yep, 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 all over the place. Right, so it, it's a nephilim, or it's not. A, it's a it's a Elohim, a spiritual mm -hmm. being, and that's where you get your demon possessions. That's where you get um, what we call demons. And that's you see terrifying. manifestations of, of things happening and, you know, weird things, UFOs, all that stuff. That's what these guys are. These are demons, right? They have no place to go. And Jesus, in Jesus' time, he sent them into pigs, right? Because they had to have a body. Their desire is to have a, a bodiment. Yeah. A place of dwelling. So we're getting all over the place here, Josh. But this is No, I like it. I love stuff. it. I that that's crazy. So I didn't even I didn't know that happened that he put the bodies in pigs. I that's a new one for me. Yeah, and then they ran off the cliff, you know. That's where oh. the term deviled ham came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So keep going. Where, and when where pigs fly, yeah. yeah, they flew then. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be like an angry evil spirit just hanging out and just not being yeah. happy all the time. Mm -hmm. And then yep. the other thing is right is that like someone, there was a claim that they're always in a state of constant hunger and thirst because since they don't have bodies, they can't satiate that spirit. Yeah, I don't know about that, but that's that's possible because you know they they did come at one point from a a physical body. Okay, um, so there's no place for them to go. So it's very very different than, sure. than a normal person who is given the breath of, by God, right? Um. And that's where that body, that's where that whole battle begins with. So now remember, going back to the image of God dwelling with Adam in the Garden of Eden, yeah. it's always these uh, gods or Elohims. I mean, God is an Elohim too, but he's the ultimate Elohim, Elohim yeah. Elohim, which is the supreme being that created everything, okay? 
um, they they have these dwelling places where they meet with people. So now you get into yeah. a lot of these idols. So I build a cow, a golden cow, um, the, the place of the golden cow. I'm not worshiping the cow. I'm inviting, I'm creating a tent or a tabernacle or a temple for these spirits, these Elohims, to fill and to dwell, right? That's the problem with idols. That was the problem with the golden calf. The golden calf is actually a um, the the image for Baal was a bull, and yeah. so they were they were worshiping Baal. Um, and we got one of those guys on Wall Street, by the way, sitting right there on Wall Street, the big yeah, old horns. Um, it's a bull market. Yep. I mean, these interesting where all these terms come from, right? Have you ever wondered where yeah. where, where do these terms come from? You know, uh, the whole nine yards. You know where that term came from? Give them the whole nine yards. Yeah, uh, World War II uh, airplanes yep. taking the whole rail on them. Yep. Correct. Give them the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. But see, these terms uh, come from things um, they have that uh, in history. Yeah, they have a meaning behind them. Right. And so it's the same thing. We got to understand that. And terms and things change over time. Yeah. Right. They don't mean the same thing that they meant today as they did then. It's interesting that so, uh, people, the idols are like an antenna to these awful evil spirits. They're, yeah, they're, they're to be the dwelling place. Right. Because it so sounds we'll a lot make like these things. The, the purpose of the Ark of the Covenant, too, wasn't it? Um, act in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. That was the judgment seat of God. Yeah. Right. That's where God sat. So and now, these are bastardizations of that. Well, no, I wouldn't say that because this oh. was all by God's plan, all by God's design. Mm -hmm. Right. So since he can't dwell with man in the garden and he wants to dwell with man, uh -huh. right. But he can't dwell because of, he can't coexist with sin and all these things. That's when he uh, started to delegate a certain group. We would know them today as the Jews, God's chosen uh -huh. people, and they're going to establish these laws and these regulations and all of these things in order that God can exist or God can be in the presence of them. Wow. And the tabernacle, the very first one, which the instructions started to be given in Exodus, right, being built in. I lost your bill. That stuff, you start, know, and, start and again. what was built started to get built, right? All skilled by <laughs> by the power of God, by the way. Um, that gave God that dwelling place, but a tabernacle was always meant as a, you know, a tent, a mm -hmm. temporary place. And as you lead, read through there, especially when you start to get into Exodus chapter 13, God is now leading by that pillar of fire, Yeah, right? He's leading with them. And then you get down to Exodus chapter 33 and Moses says, Hey God, I want to see you. And he says, you can't because you, you, you're, you're full of sin. You're, you know, you've got a problem. You're from Adam. Yeah. You're from Adam. You cannot look at me and survive because we've got the problem of sin. And that's where he, you know, Hey, just, just tuck your head. And I'll just pass by you with my backside. And even that right there was enough to change the physical appearance of, of Moses himself. That yeah, you know, his face kind of glory. Mm-hmm. So then they get into the promised land, right? Back to the original Eden. And now we start talking, building the temple, a more permanent place for God. Cause you know, yeah. we don't have to move anymore. We're in God's turf. That, uh, 
you get into second temple, which is where, you know, Jesus was. And he says, hey, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up again in three days. They were talking about this physical, physical temple. He was talking about his body. But as the church comes in, which church was the great mystery. So this was the whole plan for the redemption of the kingdoms, right? Adam lost it through sin. Jesus being a kinsman redeemer, right? And that's what Revelation 5, yeah. Revelation 5 says, the Lamb of God is able to redeem. The Lamb of God is able to open up the title deed of the earth. He bought back the title deed for the price in which it was lost. For the wages of sin is death. So he oh. took on all the sin and paid the price. And he's the only one that could do that. That's a he's... Adam's kinsman redeemer. And then everything is restored, right? So there's a comma. When you talk about the 70th week of Daniel, when you read the study of eschatology, the 70th week of Daniel is very, very important. There's a comma in there before that final, it's through the whole history of man, uh -huh. right? You go through all the Roman, Greek um, empires, you see them all through the visions. And there's this weird comma, and then there's what's called the 70th week, which is equated to the last seven years. Okay? The comma in there has, at this time, lasted 2,000 years. This comma is what's also called the mystery. The I wish mystery. you could see my... I'm trying to read it through your glasses. I like it. Are you? Yeah. My glasses don't have spell check, by the way. Neither do I. <laughs> so the mystery is the church. So the church has nothing to do with the seven-year tribulation, as well as the church had nothing to do with the previous promise to Abraham. Okay? Wow. So that's why the church is part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is for the Jews. When the church is called in the rapture, and again, people yeah. get hung up on that word rapture. Yeah, they do. There's no rapture in the Bible. It's a yeah. translation of rapturus and all that, and it simply means taken up. Okay, There are many raptures in the Bible. So whenever someone says, hey, are you pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever yeah. trib, I say, well, who are you talking about, right? Just like the kingdom of heaven, just like the kingdom of God, which rapture are you talking about? For who? Is there a pre-trib rapture? Yes. Is there a mid-trib rapture? Yes. Is there a post-trib rapture? Yes. Has there been raptures previous to all these things? Yes. Enoch? There's been raptures. People have been taken up, right? In Jesus' time, Philip was caught up. He was put back down, but he was raptured up. So the the rapture of the church is pre-trib. Why? Because it has nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. Dun, dun, dun. Other than ruling and reigning with Christ. When Christ returned, right, it says the saints are with him. Who are the saints? I don't know, oh, Michael. Church. Oh. The church. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Really? Again, I, if you're a Catholic person, that's going to really 
make you ruffle your feathers. It's called, yeah, yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's mm -hmm. interesting. So, I don't know if I would Jesus comes Saint back. Josh. <laughs> Saint Josh. <laughs> Jay Vernon McGee, an old Bible teacher. Sounds like he was from the <laughs> South, but he's actually downtown Los Angeles. Like, you're either a saint or you ain't. <laughs> saint or you ain't. You're that's in or out. That's crazy stuff. So the church, I mean, what? I mean, are they they're just witnessing at this point? I mean, they've got... We're ruling and reeling with Christ. Rule. So, yeah, what he's he's bringing his law to earth, and we'd be following that law. And we're... And we... Um, now the 12 tribe of, of uh, the disciples, the 12 tribes, right? The 12 disciples, they're going to rule with reign Christ too. But I think they're going to be in more of a, a uh, governing role over Israel. And then the rest of his saints are going to be around and over the Gentiles. So you've heard of the idea of rewards in heaven, right? I'm working for my reward. I'm yeah. working for this. I'm working for that. Yeah, I'm working bet. for my job or whatever. And um, a lot of, a lot of people believe that how you perform here on earth will will basically establish what you're going to do for that thousand years. So maybe you're ruling and reigning over a large area because yeah. uh, you were found faithful in the small things and you were made you know mighty over over bigger things. Or maybe you're just you know a smaller place. Maybe you know your your um, job isn't as big, but you have a job, um, and that's all what I believe those rewards are and those jobs are uh, during the millennial kingdom that you're ruling and reigning. So you are kind of, I don't know how to exactly put it out. It's not like you're the, the police, you're the police, you're the judge, you're the jury, you're everything for that region. Ultimately God is, you know, Jesus here on, on the throne, but you are ruling and reigning going all the way back to the mosaic model with Jethro and the 70 elders that rule underneath Moses with the children of Israel. Um, the church is also the bride of Christ, right? The so the wedding, the bride, uh. so the wedding that the wedding that happens, um, there is a wedding feast. So right after revelation chapter four, chapter five, the question is asked, then the bowls and the wrath and all those things, the bowls, all those, all the wrath is poured out onto the earth up until the point where Christ returns. Okay. During that time, we are engaged in the wedding feast with Christ. What does that mean? Okay. Like a really good time with him? Yeah, you can you can look at the historical, the traditional um, feasts of the brides. Um, mm -hmm. You're um, uh, participating in that. What exactly looks like? A, I mean, I don't know, right? Because it's it's a God thing there, but you, if you, if you look at it, you know, it's you a great answer. It's a God thing. It's, <laughs> it's a God, God thing. <laughs> if God's throwing a party. It's going to be, it's going to be a good one <laughs> out of this world. Literally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you go back to communion, right. Remember the, what they call the last supper, which yeah. is people are like, Oh, that's actually a, um, uh, a Seder. And it's like, uh, it's not really a Seder because Jesus sends the disciples out to prepare for the Seder. So how can he say, go prepare for the Seder we're now having? Doesn't quite work. I don't even know what a Seder it is. Up. It's a Passover dinner. Passover. Oh, see. Uh, again, all the way back to Exodus chapter 12, where it was established. See, 
this is where I'm talking about, Josh. If yeah. you don't know the history, if you don't understand yeah. the Old Testament, none of the stuff in the New Testament makes sense to you. And you're doing all these things. Why are we doing communion? Why are we doing this? Why are yeah. we doing yeah. that? Why, 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 why? Why are people saying this? And you really don't know because you don't understand history. Right. It's so important. That's where that whole threefold strong comes into, right? With the, the mentally strong. If I can, you know, and it doesn't even have to just be Bible memory. It's just Bible reading, Bible intelligence, mm -hmm. understanding where you came from, understanding history, understand why something is happening. Why did it, why was it needed? Why was it there? Then I can go, oh, okay, now I can plug that in to the scenario now and it makes perfect sense. So it does. I don't know where we were at. Where were we at? You lost me. And I got a bunch of chicken scratch on my board up here. It's okay. You had just gotten done with the feast. Yeah. So then after the feast, oh, that's where I was at. The Last Supper. The Last yeah. Supper, um, they partake of the wine numerous times through the uh through what would be called the Seder or whatever. And and was it the actual Seder on Passover? There's a little fluctuation of mm -hmm. when they they did the Seder. But um, the actual Passover, if you're a traditionalist, happens on a certain day at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And at that same time when that's happening, that's when the lambs were being killed in the temple to pay for the uh, sins of Israel. Wow. And it's at that very time where Jesus, John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was crucified. So, so their whole... You know, after you crucified the lamb, right, you partake of it, you ate it. So he couldn't be having the Passover dinner pre-slaughter, if you will. Sure. Uh, yeah, because he has to be the, the that sacrifice. He has he to is be the, the lamb, lamb right. of God. Right. Correct. So when the lambs were being killed in the temple at that very hour, yeah. that's when he died on the cross at the same time. time. Yeah. So the Passover dinner historically traditionally if you really look at that into context can't be done until later now that we're talking if you go back to exodus chapter 12 where they actually killed the lamb put the put it on the lentils of the doors right so that the yeah. angel of death could pass by um which by the way the angel of death was who i don't Christ. Know. yep okay. oh so yeah another topic another day but anyway um then they ate of the lamb Okay, so so timing wise, when you get into the temple period, they didn't they didn't necessarily put their lamb there, kill the lamb, go back, get their lamb, put it in the oven. So there's a little bit of a time lapse there. But my point is, is they would often have the Passover dinner either at that time or slightly after, maybe slightly before, depending on the family or whatever. But it wasn't the actual Seder because he was the lamb. Mm -hmm. Makes sense to you. But anyway. Just to me. He says, he goes to that last cup. And if you've ever sat through a Seder, you, at various points throughout the throughout the Seder, you drink um, you drink wine. Okay. Um, and he says, hey, hold on. He says, this last one, I won't partake with you until we meet again at the wedding feast. Oh. And that is why we have communion. Communion is do this in remembrance of me. Yes, the body was broken. Yes, the blood was shed. The blood is the new covenant, the covenant between God 
and the Son, Jesus and the and the Father, excuse me. Mm -hmm. That's the covenant. It says I will pay for their sins. That's the covenant. But that is a small taste, a small reminder of we've still got one more final cup to take with Jesus, and we'll do that at the wedding feast. So it's That's, cool stuff. And it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you got to understand the kingdoms. You got to understand um, uh, where we came from in order for us to view eschatology. So, yeah. yes, eschatology is fun. Yes, it's exciting. But just as much effort into looking into the future, you just take that same effort, look into the past, realize where you are now, then you can plot that course. You can plot that course to where you need to go. Um, and once you know that, then there's no more fear. Right? If I know where I've got to go, yeah, uh, half my fear is gone. I may have fear all along the way, right? Remember that right. lion? Remember yeah. that obstacle? Remember that the storm, the hurricane, all these things? Because uh, we're still en route, right? We're not home yet. So we're still on the path. So those things are going to come. However, it's not a question of if I get there. It's the question of when I get there. Okay? And so that's, if you understand all that stuff with the eschatology, with where you are now, with the past, then the question doesn't become how do I get there? I understand what's going on. I see what's going on. And now I just got to navigate life until then. So when I start to see these things around us in our culture with, with religion, with all these things, all I can do is say, hey, I recognize that. I know what that is. I, I see what that is for what that is. That, well, that wasn't grammatically correct. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> I recognize what it is. And um, it doesn't catch me by surprise because that's where the Christians are today. People are like, what's going on? How is this being allowed to happen? I don't understand. How is this being allowed? This this makes no sense. Where's God? And it's like, well, God's already told us everything. If you just pick up your Bible, there was a poll done several years ago in the average American home. This is an old older poll. Yeah. Average American had twelve Bibles in their home. Really, twelve Bibles. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Everybody had their own. I have my own. Yeah, twelve. And and who reads them? Nobody. Nobody, right? There's a, there's a, a fun little test to whether people are listening to and whether they know their Bible or not. You can say, "Hey, you know, I mean, you know, back in the the flood and stuff, you know, how many um, how many clean animals did did Moses take on the ark? You know, oh my gosh, what thing went off? What thing went off? My phone. Your phone. After you yelled at me for my phone, your phone went off. It did. I, I, Maybe there's it something happened, you. and I thought it was a panic mode. And next thing I know, it was—it's what we call clickbait. Yeah, I was texting you the answer. <laughs> so, what's the answer, Josh? I don't have uh, the number that he took on the ark. Two of every animal. Yeah. Um, the answer is none. Moses didn't take any animal on the ark. He <laughs> said Moses, not Noah. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a funny little thing, right? And. It's kind of like the basketball with the gorilla. How many passes count? How many passes? You know. Yeah, I know. Did you notice the gorilla walk by? Uh, did you notice that they changed color uniform? Did you notice the backdrop change? I mean, there's so many of those around there. You get used to them after a while. But the point is very, very, very obvious. Is it's there in the Bible, but it's 
not read. And that's what makes the Bible so great, Josh, because there's no, it's the ultimate picture of free will, right? If, if, if I have a book sitting here, that book is there, but I've got to pick it up. I've got to read it. I've got to take the initiative. Mm -hmm. That book isn't forcing itself on me because if it did, it wouldn't be free will. Yeah. I would be forced to do it. So, so when I put myself into it, and it's 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 really great because a lot of people are like, you know, if God would just write a message across the sky, and um, I always respond, well, well, He did. I mean, Romans yes. one twenty tells us that yeah, like <laughs> creation tells you there's a God, right? Yeah. But He put it in a book, and it's the ultimate picture of free will. I can choose to read it. And then I can choose to accept it or not. There's no forcing on it. So people get so mad at God. But God is actually the most patient, kind, merciful God that we could ever have. He proved if it he forced everybody now. to if yeah. if he forced everybody to follow him, that's a dictatorship. Right? Yeah. It's a choice. All right. What's our time like? I don't know. We've been on for like an hour and 11 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, get me going. <laughs> I don't stop. Hey, I, so. didn't, I wasn't going to stop you. I was listening. You know, I enjoy it. All right. It. Well, we'll continue to pick it up. And if you guys have any questions, because this is a, the, people have been studying this stuff for decades, for centuries. Centuries. Right. It's yeah. not something we're going to cover in, in an hour. Um, if you have questions or whatever, send those over to, to Josh. Um, you can chime in to Sun Country cc.com s-o-n country.com check out our website you can follow us on facebook every sunday we we have our live um our live services and right now we just started a series called the watchman talking about the whole spiritual realm and where we're at today and how the gods of the old testament are rearing their ugly heads again today and america is falling right into it so check that out um, in the meantime Josh, we'll talk to you later.